Good morning and welcome to episode 267 of the Morning Light Show. As a big fan of leading well from within for many years, it really goes back to whenever I got trained in neuroleadership and did brain-based coaching when I was working inside of organizations. I am just thrilled to share with you today a leading expert, a world-class facilitator, thought leader, who I just absolutely adore on this topic of leading well from within. And his name is Dr. Danny Friedland. He's the author of the book called Leading Well From Within, a neuroscience and mindfulness-based framework for conscious leadership. And what he shares in today's episode is profound, not just in ordinary times, but in extraordinary times that we're in right now. As we're all thinking about how do we choose to show up? How do we choose to influence others? And you're going to get from Dr. Danny today a lot of nuggets, a lot of life hacks, a lot of truth bombs that are just going to hit you right in the middle of the heart and lead you to think differently about how you're showing up in your life about how you're supporting other people, and about what you can do right now to make a difference and create sustained change, sustained change, which is something that we deeply need right now. I'm going to go ahead and warn you, the volume on Dr. Danny's part is a little low, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's his end or my end or whatever, but you know, this is a very grassroots podcast that I do. And so when you hear Dr. Danny talking, just turn up the volume. My voice will be a little bit louder than his, but just turn up the volume a little bit extra because the nuggets and the wisdom that's shared in this episode, you're not going to want to miss. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome to the Morning Light Show. I'm your host, Adair Cates. This show will offer you insights and inspiration to free your spirit, open your heart, and start your day off light and bright. Many of you know, as listeners of the show, that one of the things I'm most passionate about in life is the idea that we create our own realities. And that's not just something that I put out there and want to talk about because, oh, you know, we're all such individualists and we need to think about what's best for us. I, I talk about it a lot and I, I highlight it probably on every single show because we have a responsibility to manage ourselves and to manage our energy because of how we affect the collective. And so today on the show, I have Dr. Danny Friedland, who is a fellow exchange facilitator with me. And he is one of the most brilliant leaders on this idea of leading from the inside out. And very recently I was, incredibly inspired by a session that he did inside of our community that touched me deeply as someone who is constantly thinking about what's happening inside of me and how is that affecting my outer world. 
And I was incredibly blown away by how everybody else on that call was in total awe of not only what you shared, Danny, but as who you are as a person. So before uh, we, we jump in here, I do want to share a quote because I think it's so relevant to what we're talking about on the show today. And that is, it's a quote by Bill O'Brien, business leader, that the success of an intervention depends on the interior condition of the intervener. And I'm thinking about what we're experiencing right now in our country. We've just come through a pandemic. Now we have, you know, this, this whole uprising happening around um, racial equality in our face. And it's time for us to make some changes around that. And if we're not all mindful of who we are and how we're showing up, then there, there's some detrimental backlash from that potentially. So just to toot your horn a little bit, Dr. Danny, Dr. Danny is not only the author of the book, Leading Well From Within, a neuroscience and mindfulness-based framework for conscious leadership. He is a doctor and was on the leading edge of the evidence-based medicine movement and wrote one of the textbooks for that. And he's originally from South Africa, so you're going to hear his accent. He is a coach. He is an incredible facilitator, um, works with groups, a lot of groups that are, he's highly invested in conscious capitalism as a movement, um, very active in that group and works with business owners in helping the leaders of that company really be aware, conscious, and at their very best so that they can bring out the best in their team. So Dr. Danny. Oh, dear. Welcome. We're so happy that you're here. And I'm just going to let you talk because you can tell, there's so much that you bring to us. But what I want to start with is we'll see where we go from here. We have no script, uh, which is always the case for me. But um, what, what is it about leading well from within right now that's probably more important than it ever has been? Yeah. I just, first of all, Adair, I want to just so appreciate you and the light that you bring into the community. I, um, and I just Thank appreciate you. being here with all of you listening because I know that who you brought into your community um, is just um, the work that you do. And uh, I have been doing this work of leading well from within for, you know, over a decade. And then when I connected with you and you, you gave me your contact information, I looked at it and I said, wow, your email address is first lead you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's my business name. Right. Exactly. So it's, <laughs> and I was like, um, immediately feel like, feel like we're kindred spirits, just okay. absolutely kindred spirits. Agreed. It's just, it's just the joy of joys to be up, you know, and for me, um, the way that I framed into this work was um, through this idea, you know, this idea of leading well from within and that quote that you've got is incredibly powerful, is that this idea is that if you want to lead well in the world, the first place we have to be able to lead is lead well with inside ourselves. Yeah. And that fundamentally comes down to learning how do we navigate our stress, uncertainty, 
and self-doubt to be able to focus on what matters most mm. and elevate ourselves to lead from our higher selves for the purpose of being able to elevate others around us. And in the word, the, the language of conscious capitalism, um, the mission statement of conscious capital, conscious leadership is we exist to elevate humanity. Yeah. And at this point in time, it's never, I mean, it, it's, there's a, as you say, there's an uprising and it means that, what, mean, what does an uprising mean? Look, there have been just systemic racism for decades and decades mm. and decades. Mm. Right. And, and going back in terms of, you know, all forms of dis discrimination, it's been just, you know, we go into eons. And so now, now's the time to make some meaningful difference in this realm. Mm -hmm. um, and that invites a challenging looking in, challenging yeah. looking inwards. I think you said before the call, you said you personally are shaking up your glitter. <laughs> mm -hmm. My glitter jar, my internal glitter jar is totally shaken up. Yeah, and, and me too. It's, and this, this is, um, this is the work um, called for at this time. Mm -hmm. Change. Yeah. And I love, I love what you're saying around managing stress, uncertainty, and self-doubt. Yeah. And I have to say that has, that is what has been um, rising up inside of me. And I think in, inside of a lot of people right now, and you know, I'm in a place of, I've got to educate myself. I need to learn more. I need to really understand what's happening with my neighbors. Um, and I, you know, I've been avoiding or not looking at it or just, just had a lack of awareness around it. Um, so I've been doing a lot of edu of educating and learning and reading books on anti-racism and, um, and I've been doing a lot of self-management around this area of stress, uncertainty, and self-doubt with this you know, everything that's shaken up. So how would you recommend that people manage? What are some tools and tips and ideas that you can offer to manage these feelings and sensations that are so crippling? Yeah, so um, let me share, you know, if I can share a little bit of my personal experience of this. Yeah. Was, you know, I, um, I'm in this like everybody else. And, and then I'll share some, a framework that I um, in hopefully can serve you, serve you well. So for me, I've been activated. Um, I grew up in South Africa and um, I grew up, um, went to a Jewish day school. So first of all, I, I learned about, you know, my earliest lessons about, well, my earliest lessons were with kind of apartheid and the oppression of apartheid as well as I was learning about the Holocaust. And there was mm. a fair amount of anti-Semitism in South Africa as well. So for mm. me to actually be on, you know, on the one hand, to experience anti-Semitism, but more importantly, to actually experience and be very aware of oppression. I mean, this was a white minority government who was holding, mm. um, it was just incredibly painful. And then it was also, it was, um, if you spoke out, 
you, you're going to prison. Mm. The stakes were incredibly high. Wow. And then I got, because there's no freedom of expression, um, and then I got called up to the army. Um, and it was compulsory. So you either go to the army or you go to prison, or you can try to become a conscientious objector, um, or you leave the country. And I went AWOL. I, wow. I went AWOL um, but I left, with, I left in turmoil because I left with a deep sense of pain, you know, with the oppression, you know, being witness to oppression in South Africa. And then I left with shame. Mm. I left with shame and the shame of, did I do enough? Mm. Did I do enough? And then when I left, I mean, part of what I rationalized and for better or for worse, I realized that I, you know, I wanted to find a path where I could make a meaningful difference, you know, to others in my life. And the path that I've called out is if I can touch leaders in conscious leadership, I truly hope, hopefully I can make a meaningful difference, you know, in families, communities, organizations, you know, you know, and society at large. Yeah. And my calling. So I have this, you know, through this uprising, I've actually experienced both an internal unrest. Right. You know, when you're saying this, this idea of this, your glitter jar being, I'm very aware of these, you know, the strains of pain, shame, and purpose. Mm. And the question is, how do we work with this in ways that lead to productive action? Yeah. How do we, how do we, how do we work with all of these, you know, um, so that we ideally, you know, come out with, with being able to contribute to meaningful change. And one of the things I, I find, you know, helpful in, in what can feel like a field of disorientation, mm-hmm. I found a lot of self-compassion and compassion in an understanding of brain science. Yeah. And Say more about that. Yeah. So, it, you know, and part of why brain science is so connecting is because when we understand how our brain works, it has a way of destigmatizing things and allows us to actually peer in more deeply. Yes. And it then gives us some compassion because we can understand why, you know, people show up in the way that they do. And rather than actually seeing their reactive edges, you can see the suffering below that more clearly. Oh, yeah. That's so beautiful. I don't know if you know this, but my... Like five, six, seven years ago when I was working inside of an organization, I was trained in uh, neuro leadership with David Rock and and did, um, you know, brain-based coaching. So you're totally speaking my language when you talk about the brain science. And it really is how I think a large number of people can relate to the states that people are in and the, the actions that they choose when they are in those states. So yeah, say more about that. So we are connected by our brains. And, um, and that's why you know, part of, when I say that this is an act of self-compassion, self-compassion has three components to it. You know, first is the mindful awareness. Mm-hmm. So if you understand mindfully how your brain works, you can better work your brain. The next is as you become more aware of the working of your brain, um, to be able to lean in with kindness and compassion for that. And then the third part is common humanity. It's realizing you're not, a, you're not alone. And right. that, you know, we're connected by our biology. And part of this is just to get really, really simple. 
Pat, will oversimplify for um, pragmatic purposes. The brain, the evolutionary structure from the brain, which, you know, the brain develops from the bottom up, the back forward, there's an evolutionary structure called the triune brain that speaks to these three large areas, you know, of significant areas of evolution within the brain. And essentially the brain maps against Maslow's hierarchy of need. Mm. Simplified to levels of safety, love and belonging, and significance, our capacity mm. for significance. And literally the flows come in through our safety circuits first, then we have the capacity for love and belonging, and then we have the capacity to come together and gather in common purpose. Yeah. Now, when you look, and ultimately the experience of being able to regulate your brain, you know, without, you know from a place of your highest cortical circuits, your neocortic and your prefrontal cortex, you know, at the top, which gives you the capacity for a creative mindset, mm-hmm as opposed to the fight and flight safety circuits at the base, right. that are all about reactive, fast, reactive, slow, wise, gives us an understanding of what might be needed to basically be able to elevate. And when you're talking about leading consciously, you know, conscious leadership, it's Maslowian. We exist to elevate humanity, it's Maslowian. So it's how do we actually understand the workings of the brain with safety, belonging, significance, to be able to lead from our highest selves. And, um, and there's a formula that actually, once we understand that the brain's architected at these levels, there's a formula that dictates whether or not we're gonna go down into a safety frame, which is all focused on fight and flight behavior, mm. or we're gonna be able to rise to actually lead from our highest selves. And the formula is, what is the relationship of the demands we experience in our lives mm. to the resources we have to engage? Oh God, that's so profound. So when say demand- that one more time. So what is the relationship of the demands in our life to the resources we have to engage? Mm. And when so demands- profound. When demands exceed resources, we're going to go into a safety frame, and these are both internal demands and external demands. Yeah, and so. When you're looking and we go down to safety, the safety frame in our fight and flight behavior, part of that's adaptive. So when we're talking about COVID, for example, Mm. thinking about physical safety and economic security is adaptive, you know, being hypervigilant for, you know, taking care of of ourselves and others. But safety is a sledgehammer. So when we actually, and particularly around psychological threats, the brain is for joy or happiness first, it's built for safety first. So when we're psychologically threatened with stress or self-doubt, we go into fighting for control Mm. or fighting to prove self-worth or taking flight from anything that leaves a feeling out of control or self-doubt. Ah, yeah. And now you begin to see, you begin to see all of the chaos that ensues from that, the tensions and the strains and the chaos, both, you know, in families, organizations, and now, on the streets. What's yeah. It's so, um, so can I say something on that really quick? Please, please do. It's, it's so profound. This whole idea of the, if it, when the demands exceed the resources, that's when you go into this fight or flight, um, mode. And I feel like that's what's happening 
obviously on the streets with the protests as you have the fighting going on and the anger and the rage. And there's also a group of people, and I'm not saying there's two camps. There's like multiple camps that people are in right now, right? Because there's lots of different emotions going on. But I'm also very clearly seeing, you know, people who just want to continue to be in denial. And they're like, no, like, I'm good. Like, everything's fine. This is not that big of a deal. Like, I'm going to go distract myself or whatever. And you're saying that is also survival mode. Well, that's survival mode. So I want to just talk about because there are different forms of fight and flight and it's not i'm not saying reactivity bad we need to have actually Mm. a be discerning and the question is is the fight and flight doing more harm than good Ah. so when you're looking at a fight for justice i would say is important Mm -hmm. a fight for justice is important You know, as opposed to the language used, that is, we need to dominate others, Mm. right? That just feeds a cycle of reactivity. And by the way, it's it's not only that we experience, you know, this low performance, potentially low performance leadership state that can happen in reactivity. Yeah. Or as opposed to a high performance conscious leadership mindset in creativity. And we'll come back to what that looks like. Yeah, right. Yep. But because we're wired to connect, our brain is wired to connect, we can oscillate between reactivity and creativity. Mm. And um, the responsibility that you spoke about right at the beginning is this understanding about, because we're wired to connect, leadership is an act of influence. Leadership is an act of influence. So here we are between reactivity and creativity. So when you're in a place of reactivity, oftentimes when you're in a a state of trying to dominate others, that can trigger somebody's threat and they go into fight and flight that then trigger you and you get into the cycle of fight, flight, fight, flight, trigger, fight, flight, trigger. And then all of a sudden it's that's social and emotional contagion. So we're not only in COVID contagion, more importantly at this time, we're in social and emotional contagion. Mm. And so There's so much toxicity. And I think about what happens in the body, all the cortisol that's released, all the, uh, you know, heart, when we're flooded with all these different neurotransmitters, it's very hard for the body to get back to homeostasis. Yes. And not only that, as you know, um, because, you know, I know you've done heart now. Mm-hmm. Incoherence. We yeah. get into a state of incoherence where we actually disrupt our circuits of compassion and our circuits of decision making, and we stay incoherent, and we don't even have access to those circuits in our brain. And so we're in this place of fight, flight, trigger, fight, flight, trigger, as opposed to a cycle of creativity is a cycle of being able to receive others mm. with deep empathy and understanding and give with authenticity and care. Mm. And this, this is not always soft. Sometimes you want to find, how do I say things in which it's most likely to be heard and create effective change? Yeah. Right? So we oscillate between these states of, personal states of reactivity versus the state of a creative mindset. And the creative mindset, you know, it's when we're in the ability to be grounded within ourselves. when you're talking about 
the functions of the prefrontal cortex. What it's got is they've got the capacity for, first of all, emotional regulation. Yeah. To basically pause before you react. So you take wise action, fast reactive, slow wise. In addition, there's a highway of fibers that come up from the gut. And as you know, from the heart intelligence, radiating forward in the mind. So this gives us the capacity for empathy, compassion, morality, mm. the ability to relate well to others, essentially. These are all the circuits of our decision, you know, executive function. So vision, strategy, decision-making. And then these are the circuits. Change. The change, exactly. How do you actually navigate through a change with clarity? And then this is the circuit of mindful awareness. Rather than actually reacting to every thought internally, we're just going to say, huh, what would be the wise action now? Mm. So Reflection. We're able, we're able mm -hmm. there's, you know, and that's part of the active learning cycle. It it's gives us the capacity to reflect, mm -hmm. create wise action. So this, these circuits up here are high performance, creative mindset. We oscillate that. And when we're in that space, we're most equipped to receive and give with each other effectively, as opposed to down here, fight, flight, trigger, fight, flight, trigger. So when you mm. look at leadership as being an actual influence, and you think about where you have influence in your life, if you reflect on where do you have influence in your life, very quickly you'll appreciate, where don't you have influence in your life? Yeah. So it's not only at work, it's with our families, it's with our communities, it's with our friends, it's when we write mm. a Facebook post. Yeah. So ultimately, leadership's not a role, it's a way of being. And then this is the kicker. This is the kicker. When you're talking about leadership development, it's not even becoming a leader. What leadership is, because inevitably we are wired to connect, you cannot not have influence. Mm. The awakening is this. The reflection is this being able to stand back and ask yourself, am I having positive influence on my environment or am I having negative influence on my environment? Yeah. That's the question. And with that, you, that actually wow. then the, the responsibility, the responsibility for leadership, which is, it's an awakening. Leadership is an awakening to the influence you already have. And asking yourself, am I showing up as positive influence or negative influence? Or this is a better, another way of framing it. When you think about, when you think about demands and resources, one of the most powerful questions any leader can ask, and when I say any leader can ask me, it means everybody because everybody is an, has an active influence. The most powerful question I believe leaders can ask is, at this moment in time, am I showing up as a demand mm. or a resource for somebody? Oh, I just am got I chills. Up as a demand or a resource, or on the bystander side of things, am I just not showing up at all? Oh. Right? So, am I showing up as a demand or a resource to create meaningful change? Mm. And ultimately, when you look at the capacity to rise when you look at what's needed for leadership and leading wealth from within it's looking at how do we rise in the flow of inspiration and purpose mm. to engage our creative mindset how do we actually learn first and foremost to create 
deeper psychological safety within ourselves, no matter what our internal dialogue is? Can we create deeper psychological safety within ourselves? Can we create a sense of a deeper sense of connection to be able to hold whatever's arising? Can we hold ourselves with greater equanimity, a greater sense of, and can we actually, not when times are easy, but mm. when times are hard, can we focus on what really matters most? Mm. And the leaders that can actually create psychological safety within themselves, create deeper connection and focus on what matters most are then in the best possible position to create psychological safety in their communities, a greater sense of love and belonging in the communities and work together in collective cause. Oh, wow. Collective purpose. Yeah, you know, the, the idea of psychological safety is something I think about every day in the work that I do. Um, because as most of my listeners know, and uh, Dr. Danny, you do a lot of the same work of facilitating groups. And we know from the research out of Harvard um, that it, psychological safety from the Google study is the foundation of a team being able to work together productively. But I'd never really thought of creating an environment of psychological safety within myself that's so profound. And I would just, I, I would love for our listeners to understand as we, you know, we got a few more minutes here of what are some practices, especially right now that we can be actively engaging in within ourselves to create the safety, to create the upward spiral in the creative mindset in ourselves so that we can inspire collective change okay what a beautiful question there and I, I so appreciate that's such a beautiful question so the heart of this work the heart of this work the heart of the work of conscious leadership is mindfulness mm. the foundation of conscious leadership is mindfulness but let me just share with you kind of um maybe a like a a a, a new perspective mm. Maybe it's not really new it's just i want to kind of just shift and offer a definition so the way i experience mindfulness is mindfulness is the practice of paying attention mm. with a sense of openness kindness and curiosity for what's ever arising in the present moment yeah okay so so let me unpack that so mindfulness is um, the ability to actually separate yourself from the content of your experience and the context of your experience. So rather being swept away by your thoughts, sensations, emotions, when you can rise to the clarity of observation, you can observe that you're not your feelings, thoughts, and sensations, but that you're having thoughts and sensations and emotions. But here's the Here's the, the key point in that, and maybe perhaps the new thing is really wanting to kind of amplify the qualities of mindfulness, which is the qualities of openness, kindness and curiosity. Why are those so powerful? And it's almost like this is the lens on our awareness. This is the lens. When we're observing this internal thought, you can actually observe, but if you can observe with actually kind of a harsh self-judgment, that's, you know, a way of 
observing. So it's a quality of observing where you're bringing the qualities of openness, kindness, and curiosity. And why? Because the first thing is, when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs again, a lot of what, we, what leads to a, us feeling unsafe within ourselves is us not trusting ourselves that we can handle things. And so we begin to resist. We begin to resist. And that resistance creates suffering. Yes. So we need to start out by saying, I would prefer that I don't have these thoughts, but I can stand in the presence of what is. That's mm. foundational. And, and the ability to open to that space, to open to the state base of standing in the presence of what is gives you a deeper sense of safety. The kindness, the self-compassion claims the love and belonging frame and gives you the courage to lean in further. Mm. And then the curiosity, particularly around the questions of what best serves next, elevates you to the level of significance. And that's where in the world of exchange or appreciative inquiry, um, the choreography of those questions where we begin to anchor in purpose and discover our strengths and clarify of what success looks like and come up and ask what, how can we take meaningful strategic steps and action to create meaningful change? That's where that exists. Yeah. The heart of this, the heart of this work of conscious leadership is if I'm having, you know, and, and basically, and I, let, me, let me just share with you, before I came on to that session that I did for exchange. Yes. I was terrified because I was, I was showing up to talk about the choreography of internal conversation. Yeah. That was, you know, you, exchange is a lot about choreographing external conversations. And this was really about us focusing on choreographing the internal conversation. And I thought, I am so activated with this wild swirl of pain, shame, and purpose. I, like, I had imagined that I'd be coming onto the, that call with equanimity and, you know, to be able to share, but I was in the swirl of it. Yeah, and I rightfully had to, so. I had to, if I wasn't able to lean in with openness and kindness and some degree of self-compassion, and then galvanize on purpose, I wouldn't have been a, I would have been in the resistance and I would have showed, I would have actually, so I needed to lean in with an understanding. It doesn't help me to, it does serve to some degree to, for us to feel some shame, but only as a function of learning. Yes. At some point we go into a shame cycle that becomes so brutal. It gets us into a place of avoidance where we uh -huh. don't actually look deeply enough to make the change. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I love this idea of openness and kindness and curiosity. And, it, it, and we've got to wrap up here, but it brings up this idea of when, you, when we have um, movements like we're having right now around racial equality, you know, people say resist and they've got the fist and it's all, you know, everything is like push back and push against. And that's always uh, triggered me because, because of what you just said. So how do we, I mean, I get this whole like fighting for justice, 
but where is the openness, kindness, and curiosity? And how, how do we help people understand that that is the only way we're going to get to sustained change? Yeah. So, so when you're talking about compassion, self-compassion, there are yin forms of self-compassion and then there are yang forms of self-compassion. Mm. And the yin forms of self-compassion is having the ability within us to soothe ourselves physically, emotionally, and cognitively. Mm. The yang forms of compassion is just as important. The yang mm. forms of compassion are just as important. And it's, it is a posture of, no, this will not do. Mm. This is what I need and let's get going to motivate ourselves. So I want to kind of give that all of this is needed. It's understanding how to integrate all of that, yeah. all of that together. So for example, the language that's being used, Reverend L. Sharpton, I was so moved by his eulogy mm. and what he said painfully, what he said, mm. we, have, we have got all of the skills and talents and all we're asking you to do is to get your knee off our necks. Oh, right. Yeah. So what he's essentially saying is I want just to, I just, I'm not asking for anything to be given to us. I'm asking for the demand to be removed. Mm. This is one of the things that we can all be a part of being very, very, you know, looking at wherever systemic racism exists, rooting out where any, wherever anything might exist that looks like a knee on the neck. Mm. And then this other dimension, I can't breathe. We're tapping into internal resources. How do we breathe more fully and rise? We want to rise. And mm. so that part of the metaphor is incredibly powerful. How yeah. do you become more internally resourceful? How do you breathe? How do you breathe oxygen of strength and vitality into your life where you can create meaningful change? Mm. How can you breathe with the strength of openness, kindness, and curiosity? And then how do we actually collectively breathe together so we resource each other to create meaningful collective change? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you brought that in because that, that, really, that really sits with me now because I, I'm feeling what I'm, what I'm feeling is you can't breathe if somebody's got their knee on your neck yes. and that's what systemic racism is. Yes, yes. And the only way to remove that knee is for every single one of us to literally pull up every little weed in the garden yes. that is holding them back. I mean, I'm just imagining, you know, it's, it's just everything. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Um, in my neighborhood last week, the primary, um, four or five hours voting lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a very high black population in my neighborhood, a high Democrat population in a red state. And it's like, that was like the perfect metaphor for what we're dealing with. You know, I'm walking and I'm looking at, I've never seen the line for voting curved around as many corners as I've ever seen it in my neighborhood. So I, I, on the one hand that I know where, how I felt and gosh, who am I to talk? Like I'm a white woman in America. Like I, I can't even really speak to this, but 
seeing that was just like such evidence to me of, you know, what we've been avoiding. And it honestly, in the past, like I'm getting emotional as I'm saying this, I, my thought was I have no power. There's nothing I can do. What can I do? Because if I've cast my vote, they're going to throw it out anyway. You know, I mean, just all kinds of thoughts like that. And I have to say a lot of that has shifted and I want to, that's where I want us to end because I want everyone to leave this feeling like you do have power inside of you to change this because I think we've been in the flight mode, the avoidance mode, the not wanting to look at it, the not really seeing it mode. And now it's right in our faces and we have a choice to make about how we're going to show up and how we're going to lead ourselves and how we are going to do some of what you said, telling, get off of my neck. You stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. So in addition to taking the knee off the neck, which is vitally important for us to all be part of taking the knee, the collective knee off the neck, Mm. just as important is to breathe Mm. in, not just removing the demand, but building in the resources breathing in the resources of psychological safety. Yes. What's it going to take for us to create true psychological safety in our communities? What's it going to take to create, to breathe in true equality, true Mm. equality to provide a sense of love and belonging? And what is it going to be to create, you know, a true sense of meaning, purpose, and significance Mm to elevate humanity and our society at large. Yeah. And you know, what's coming to mind as you're saying this, and yeah, this is really powerful, is those of us that have privilege, we have a responsibility like we have never had before to lead ourselves from within so that we have an overabundance of resources to give to the people who do not have that privilege. That is it right there. And that that could pretty much summarize like the why behind everything that I choose, everything that I do. Mm-hmm. 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 So I will leave it with that. As a listener of this show, where do you stand with all of this? What is this stirring up in your internal world in your glitter jar and you know, I invite you to really reflect on this and think about if, if you are a white person and you have privilege, where, how might you take responsibility in a new way for what's happening inside of you so that you have resources to give to those who are tapped out? And for everybody on this call, what can we be doing as a collective? Because it's not you know, leading well from within is one aspect and what we're, what's happening inside of us is one aspect. But when we come together Mm. and we put those resources together and I put mine with Dr. Danny's and I put it with the whole exchange community and I put it with my uh, local community here in Atlanta or whatever that looks like, our ability to have resources for everybody is now exponential. Yes. Yes. So That's the invitation is to go out there and as Dr. Danny, as you said, be in the state of openness, kindness, and curiosity as frequently as you can possibly be 
and be a resource for others instead of a demand. So thank you, Dr. Danny, for being here. It's always such a joy to have a conversation with you. I got chills like at least 10 times as we were talking and the tears came at least two or three times. So I'm deeply grateful for you, for the work that you do. And listeners, if you want to find Dr. Danny, check out his book, Leading Well From Within. And what is your website, Dr. Danny? Supersmarthealth.com. Yeah, so you can check out Dr. Danny on Supersmarthealth.com. And thanks again for listening. And we'll look forward to having you back on the show again. I so appreciate you, Adair. And I so appreciate the opportunity to share with all of you today listening. I really wish you well on this important journey forward. Awesome. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of the Morning Light Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share with your loved ones. And for more insights and inspiration, check out my website at firstleadyou.com. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time.